Welcome back to the Fitness Fee Podcast. Today's episode is a podcast that I recorded earlier this week with AW Nutrition and Fertility uh, with Alyssa and she was um, chatting to me about my journey um, in the fitness industry and how I managed to negotiate breast cancer and what I did to help me get through the tough times uh, and how I used fitness and nutrition to help me do that. So I hope you enjoy having a little bit of a listen to my story and you can always drop me a message. I've put my email at the bottom of the podcast uh, and follow me on Instagram at fitnessfeet. Right, so hello. Today I am with Fee from Fitness Fee. Uh, say hi, Fee. Hi, how are you? <laughs> good, good. Nice to have you. I was just saying to Fee that it's lovely and sunny where she is, and it's uh, pretty grey today here in Scotland. Um, where are you based, Fee? Uh, the Midlands, Staffordshire. Oh, brilliant. So I, like, uh, right I... smang back in the middle of the country. <laughs> yeah, I studied there actually. That's why. So I'm from Germany originally, and I moved okay. to study at Kiel University, Newcastle. Right. Online. So um, yeah, that used to be my old stomping ground. <laughs> oh, cool. Ah, yeah, I haven't been here long. We've only been here um, since 2016. Yeah, when I came back from Saudi. So yeah, yeah. Well, you say it's not too long, but that's like what. Oh well, yeah, I know. I say that's not too long, but yeah, that's like I don't know what's that. Nearly six years now. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, yeah. Let's do a proper introduction. Uh, if you introduce yourself, who are you? What do you do? Uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, okay, so I'm uh, Fee or Fiona, well, whatever you prefer to call me. I don't mind. Also known as Fitness Fee. Um, I am currently a online coach. I have my own business and I also work for James Smith Academy um, as one of his coaches. Um, I have been in the fitness industry since um, uh, well over 20 years, let's just say. Um, And I've kind of worked my way up from the bottom. yeah, so I've seen quite a lot of changes. Um, I've been through quite a lot of things myself, um, mm-hmm. but I'm still here to tell the tale. That's a very yeah. brief version of me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. We'll go into a little bit more detail anyway throughout this. But yeah, no, thanks very much for that. Um, I think maybe just to kind of briefly give some context as to why, or context as to why I thought it would be useful or nice uh, to have you on this podcast is, like you said, you've been through quite a lot through yourself, um, and because uh, my niche or like the people that will be most likely listening to this podcast are dealing with infertility and while um so not directly related I suppose but just going through kind of like difficult times and using nutrition and fitness I think can be really helpful and that's really kind of the message that I'm trying to spread is that something that um yeah I've, I've experienced for myself as well just kind of trying to find a bit of control um yeah amongst kind of difficult times so yeah so that's why we've got Fiona on today um yeah do you want to tell us a little bit about more about your story I suppose um yeah so um yeah where do you want me to start (laughs) to start at the beginning or in the middle or um at the beginning just wherever you um okay I'll try and keep it as brief as I can okay so I kind of like I was 
didn't I had no real idea of what I wanted to do when I left school well I did actually I wanted to be an air hostess but at that time there was a height limitation on it um and I wasn't no way yeah back in the day there used to be a height limitation wow um, so yeah uh that just shows how old I am <laughs> <laughs> um so I, I did yeah I didn't really do much when I left school and then I got married very young and um I can't remember when it was it was um I think I've always been quite small and I've always been mm-hmm. a petite person. So weight has never really been an issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I got, I don't know what it was. I got to about my, it must have been my late-ish 20s. And I kind of wanted to get into the fitness side of things. So I started going to a fitness class uh, at like a local community hall um and I started going once a week and I really got the bug for it and then I Mm -hmm. progressed twice a week um and I just absolutely loved it I loved the vibe and I was like this is what I want to do and I just knew then that that was it that was just the turning point and then I um I went and I got qualified as an exercise instructor exercise to music instructor sorry um which is basically teaching classes. Um, I started on my own. At this time, I was still working uh, like as a full-time job. I think at the time I was I was working. Oh yeah, I lived in Cornwall at this time. Um, I was working as a pasty maker in a pasty shop uh, in mm-hmm. Falmouth. Um, so I was doing that, and then I was teaching classes in an evening, trying to build up my own kind of like following, which was very mm-hmm. difficult back then. Um, mm-hmm. And then I managed to get a job in the local the local leisure centre. Um, again, just classes and built that up. And then I managed to get a job with them to take me on part time. And again, it just kind of like kept going the next level up yeah. um, until I got to duty manager. I was, you know, I was doing the gym. I was a gym instructor. Um, I was doing the classes on a regular basis, pretty much doing everything, including management, which I really enjoyed. But I kind of got to a point where um there was no really where for me to go in in the within the business itself because of the size of it um so I'd got divorced and I decided that the next step for me to take would be to put me right out my comfort zone and decided to move to Saudi Arabia um (laughs) yeah like you do like you know it's almost like stick a pin in the map sort of thing yeah um Obviously, the money, it was the money was the incentive. It was tax free. Yeah. Um, and I went over there as a single woman, which was incredibly hard, Can way harder than I ever anticipated. I mean, literally, I was there and like a week later, I was like, what the hell have I done? <laughs> I think I was in my 30s then. So, yeah. Um, but I then ended up meeting um, my husband there. Um mm-hmm not nothing planned at all and ended up getting married having two kids and Mm -hmm. lived there for like 11 odd years um my fitness really took us took a step back when I had my children um before that I was PTing I had clients I was teaching Mm -hmm. um but once I had my children it really I really took a step back from it and I gained a lot of weight um before that I think I was very blessed that Age was on my size and nutrition mm-hmm. never came into it at all. I okay. knew that I could pretty much exercise 
and maybe watch more what I was eating more than anything I would say yeah looking back on it now um but it, yeah definitely nutrition wasn't top of the you know if I wanted to lose some weight it was do more activity that was more what, exercise, yeah. what, what I generally did um but then obviously I I you know I I I put on weight when I was pregnant. I lost some, put it on again, lost some. We came back to the UK, which was incredibly, incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of getting back into the swing of things then. I'd, I'd really taken a knocking, like, how I looked and just my, the whole emotional side of it as well. Yeah. Um, and I was just 2016, that was, I started, I did the Joe Wicks, 90 day thing mm. which kind of yeah. got me back into the whole um exercise and eating because I totally lost my way with it and it's funny mm. because people even though you're in the fitness industry people just think that you're on it like 24 <laughs> 7 every single day of the year for like yeah. every single year of your life and you're not you mean you mm. go through the same things that you know life changes yeah. that other people go through so Absolutely. you know nobody's perfect um and I think it was the Joe Wicks thing that kind of got me into the weights because it was although fitness had always been in my life I'd never actually that had never interested me I was you know I used to do gym instruct uh, inductions and work in the gym and that but that you know classes were my life that is what that was the buzz that I got with the adrenaline from doing classes and teaching classes um so I hadn't actually ever really delved into yeah. the weightlifting side of things until yeah. Joe Wicks kind of like was a bit weighted with all his yeah. workouts were weighted so yeah interesting so that when you talk about nutrition like you just had no I suppose that didn't really come with the training or anything no but no I mean I don't, I don't even remember doing any really at all with, when mm-hmm. I did any of my original courses I mean I think in I think it was like you know you you had the eat well plate and the the pyramid yeah. where you know like um carbs are at the bottom and like fat yeah. at the top that sort of thing but it was yeah it was barely touched upon back in my day I mean I am talking quite a few years ago now <laughs> um so yeah to be fair I feel like though in some ways are still similar like I don't I don't know if really fitness courses have evolved that much when it comes to useful nutrition advice more but maybe yeah not I still as don't much. yeah I, I totally agree I don't think I think they are better than what they used to be but I don't think they're anywhere near as they could be which is why obviously there are the things like EIQ with um, Emma and Amelia yeah yeah absolutely no I can totally resonate as well because in the sense that you know just because if you're in the health and fitness world doesn't necessarily mean that you've got to be perfect I mean I definitely got quite desperate last year and have tried like you know 1200 calorie diets and stuff even though I was already a qualified uh, qualified in nutrition etc but you know we're all still human in the end you know and depending on how how hard things get yeah you know that's where our mind takes us to you know I mean if we're desperate enough you know we'll probably try anything <laughs> yeah yeah you do I mean it's you, you know it's uh, you do hear about it. it's like take, trying to take your own advice isn't it sometimes it's yeah uh, it's really really hard yeah um so yeah I'd lo- I lost loads of weight and I really like trimmed down I made it to like Joe Wicks's um transformation page I was like, woo, <laughs> mate. <laughs> um, yeah, and I got quite lean. Um, but then it was the kind of thing I, I didn't, 
I, can't, I don't even think, did I do his, I can't remember if I did his graduation. And then I was kind of a little bit lost because I didn't really know what I was, what I was doing or where I was going. And, um, and then it was uh, 2017 that I got diagnosed with um, triple negative breast cancer. Jesus. Which was um, not expected. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the most, the, I'd say annoying, I don't know if annoying is the word, but um, the most devastating thing was that I was pretty much in the best shape of my life ever. Mm-hmm. Like, that I had, like, nutrition and the weight, uh, you know, the exercise, whereas before it had always been, like, kind of like one or the other. I used to yeah. didn't have a very healthy relationship with food um but did all the exercise or you know it yeah. was so that was like a real blow to think yeah. that I'd been handed that after I was like I was feeling so good and so amazing um, yeah to of course that. yeah yeah like how did you how did you manage that in that situation like how did you how did you find yourself out of kind of thinking so negatively or to um it was very very difficult because I was in the lower age category as well um mm-hmm. it, you know it's not breast cancer isn't I was the um 40 I'm trying to think how old I was now 45 no 44 44 when I was diagnosed um uh, and I had triple negative, which isn't a common breast cancer, but it's more common in younger women. Um, okay. What does the triple negative mean? If you right, so know. it means that most breast cancers are hormone receptive mm-hmm. uh, to your three hormones. Um, but mine was negative to all three of those. So that's why they okay. call it triple negative. So it's oh, harder okay. for them to pinpoint the reason why you've you've got it. Uh, okay. It usually comes down to uh, it's usually age category um ethnic women tend mm-hmm. to get it more as well um yeah and they don't or, or it can be hereditary it can be linked to the BRCA gene BRCA2 mm-hmm. gene um which is genetic yeah um, but I didn't have that luckily um so yeah it was it was uh, obviously a bolt out of the blue um Luckily, I was diagnosed pretty quickly from when I'd, I'd, because I had found a lump and I went Mm -hmm. to the doctor immediately. Um, They found another lump um, after initial tests. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was like, there was no doubt that I was going to be having a mastectomy uh, and chemotherapy. Um, Yeah, and I'd actually just managed to get myself a job back working back in a gym as well. So (laughs) I was like... And I literally, they told me on the Friday and I was like meant to be starting my new job on the Monday. And that was all I could think about when he told me. I was like, I'm meant to be starting a job on Monday. You can't do this. Yeah. It is like, it's utter disbelief, I think, is the only way I can describe it when you you get told that because it's always something that happens to somebody else Mm -hmm. and never to you. And for like somebody to sit there and tell, because I was like, I was in total denial before because I had to wait such a long time to get my results because of mm-hmm. when I discovered it to when I got my tests and then it was over the Easter period. So there was bank holidays in there as well, which obviously mm-hmm. delayed the results. Um, so I think from when I originally found the lump to when I got my, got told I had breast cancer, it was over four weeks Um Jeez. And I hadn't really told anybody. We'd kept it very quiet. We um, 
we hadn't obviously not said anything to the kids. The kids were very young at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, in fact, I don't think anybody knew except for my husband. And I'd mentioned it to my to my mum because um, if there was any anything in the family, because they don't ask that question. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was um, that up until that point, I was just in denial. I was like, yeah, it won't be anything. It'll just be like, tissue or something that they can remove and it'll be like fine so when he actually told me I was just like this you know you can't be telling me I can't be hearing these words right um so it was over a weekend and you know they they bombard you with all this information and then I had to go back and have more tests done um so I mean that weekend was like one of the hardest weekends of my life because I, I was just I didn't know what to do where where to go I was yeah. you know and I think that was the turning point where I was like okay I just thought I've either got to carry on being like this devastated and not being in a good place but bearing in mind that I had a four-year-old and this nearly six or a six-year-old and a nearly a four-year-old I just thought I couldn't do it for them. I had to be as positive as possible for them because I didn't want them to spend the next few years of their life always worrying about it. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm never going to see my mum again. Yeah, of course. That was that was my initial way of of trying to be positive about it. I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you feel like though that because you you kind of got yourself to a point where you were um, like eating healthy and exercising up, do you feel like that has helped throughout that time, like through that initial um, period? I don't know, actually. I don't know. I think it's a more of a state of mind than anything. I can, mm-hmm. you know, I get people message me. I have a lot of contact with a lot of people who have been through the same sort of thing or yeah. know somebody who's going through it and then, you know, they're really struggling. And I don't I don't know what it is. I can't, I don't know whether it was like because of the type of person I was or because of the type of lifestyle I'd had before. For me, it was just the fact that I wanted to be there for my children and to be as positive as I could for them and to see that, um, that it could not have a biggest impact on life as I mean you know there's so many different variations of cancer and everybody chooses to deal with it differently I don't think mm-hmm. there's a right and a wrong way yeah. but even in a very short period of time in like those first 48 hours I mean they say to you don't google mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's the first thing you do is you google everything and it was just all this negativity and these awful stories of like how people were doing and I just couldn't cope with it and I just thought I can't like do that and let my kids see me like that Mm -hmm. every single day and the effect it would have on that and you know it's a very personal decision and you you can't know how you're going to deal with it until you're in that situation so you can prepare try and prepare yourself for it but until you're there it's very hard to know how you will react to be honest that that you know yeah absolutely that's all yeah. I can say yeah of course yeah I think it's just yeah <laughs> it's just it's just a big thing to deal with but I think what's really um, important is like you said you know if you can find something to kind of work towards or to kind of pull yourself out of the kind of negative thoughts or the spiraling thoughts and I think that's really really important and I really resonate with the whole googling thing as well just 
I think within the infertility world or just IVF world in general, oh, it's just the amount of like stuff you come across and obviously everybody's stories as well, which is not negative. It's like nice to kind of see everybody else's stories as well. But sometimes that can also drag you down. Like it can always have both effects, you know what I mean? It can pull you up or it can drag you down. And I've definitely had to, to mute stuff in the past or you know I mean kind of leave groups or things like that just to kind of get me out of the space because you have to wait so long for things to happen um, yeah I, I, yeah definitely I, I think it's a good thing because like you say mm-hmm. you can then resonate with other people who are feeling the same way as you going through the same way but it is very yeah. I think it's a very fine line to tread because like you say if you're not in a good place it's very easy to pull you down and it just yeah. feel like you're completely drowning um so I did I did go join some groups uh, and Mm -hmm. some things like that but I just found it was just having such a negative effect on me I just thought I've got to do this my way and do what I think is best and Mm -hmm. get the information that I need to have to to get through this in the best possible way but I think as you know the same with like uh, the IVF thing I think you just have to find your own kind of path and if you need that resource there as a backup, then you know it's always there. But it is, um, I mean, it's, you know, there's so much available nowadays on yeah. so many different platforms yeah. that I think it can become too much at times, yeah. too overwhelming, like too yeah. much information is not all necessarily a good thing, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, mm. it's definitely a blessing and a curse. And a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could definitely do things to you. But yeah, so then... Um, so throughout your treatment again like is there something that where you were able to kind of go back to your, your kind of fitness where you still yeah, exercising? That, that was the one thing that I could control throughout the whole of it and that was what I focused on so yeah without a doubt the fitness side of it um I just I just knew that that was what I could put all my focus on and if I could mm-hmm. do it then I would the nutrition side of it I didn't really I, I did look into certain things because I'd read things about them saying about how a diet high in fat is meant to be better for like cancer patients, mm-hmm. etc. Um, there's lots of evidence for against on the fence about it. So I mean, yeah. I, I'm not by any means a medical expert on this, and you know, course, yeah. I, I did kind of delve into that myself. But that kind of diet doesn't work for me. I'm you know, I just mm-hmm. felt awful. I, I'm not. Yeah somebody who eats I couldn't do like keto I think I'd yeah. just the amount of fat I was like Bleh. yeah I was like couldn't, couldn't do it um <laughs> so I just stuck to like eating a fairly healthy balanced diet I would say you know I wasn't yeah. excessive in any point I was just like you know if I wanted to eat. obviously the chemo had a lot of effects on your taste yeah. so there was a lot of things that you just like you didn't want to eat because your taste buds changed you can yeah. taste certain foods. Uh, so that definitely affects you. Yeah. Um, but the fitness, and at the time, um, I, I wasn't working. To, I couldn't afford to go to a gym. So mm-hmm. I did have some kit in, in my own garage, which I used to use. But the thing that I enjoyed the most was running, believe it or not. I can't stand yeah. it now. I hate it. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was, I could do it. It was free. I yeah. could do it at my own pace. I could do it when I wanted to. And it was getting me outside in the fresh air. And that is what I, I loved. And I did that probably more than anything. In fact, I ran a 10K race in, oh, yeah. in the middle of my chemo treatment. Wow. Um, 
In fact, I ran race for life actually after <laughs> two weeks after my first chemo. Um, wow. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose it probably gave you something to focus on, though. Eh? Yeah, it did, and and it made me feel better. It made me feel like I was actually doing something. And sometimes it would mm-hmm. only just be going for a walk, but if I could do that, then mm-hmm. I felt accomplished at it, and I felt like I had control because there's so much that you don't have control of in your life. Yeah. You have to. It's always like endless hospital appointments and medication and injections and needles and you know it just all that never seems to stop. Yeah. Um, so if I could control that, then, you know, that made me feel feel better about myself. Yeah, absolutely. Did you find yourself that you kind of worried quite a lot throughout that time as well? Like, did, did you? Yeah, it, it comes and goes, I think. And it was probably a lot of it was based around the treatment as well, because the medication mm-hmm. had, um, you know, could have negative effects on you um like it took them a while to get the steroids right because the first time they had me on steroids I felt like I was a bit like Alice in Wonderland for a few days it was like um so yeah um and then obviously I had the whole hair loss like I lost all my hair as well uh that was that was my biggest worry out of anything before I started the chemo before I had mastectomy any surgery or anything the thing that horrified me the most was about losing my hair um, oh, yeah because it's such a a symbol to the outside world that something because I mean to yeah. look at me before I before I lost my hair you would have never I mean you could have walked past me in the street and you would never have known that I had breast cancer yeah but when you've got that like visible display for everybody to see that you've got no hair yeah um, and you've got no eyebrows and you've got no eyelashes you know it's that everybody knows that there's something wrong with you and most yeah. people know that you've got cancer or you're having chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really, really tough. And it was tough for the kids as well, because they yeah. obviously we, I never kept them in the dark about anything. I wasn't obviously graphic about things, but they knew what was kind of going on and they knew the treatment I was having. Um, and especially my daughter, she found that very hard that I'd mm. lost my hair Um but yeah, I such a visual. Open it? with them about that. Yeah, of course. It did grow back though, did it? It did, and that yeah, yeah. but I, I never got past the short stage. Yeah, <laughs> I love it though. I love I it. I didn't okay. get past it. I did try to start to grow it, and I was just oh, it was so frustrating. It really was. Yeah. And then I, I don't know. I just like kind of came up with my short cropped hairstyle and. I've never looked back. My daughter still says to me now, because I, obviously I've got quite a few pictures of me because I used to have really long hair. She's like, oh, don't you, why don't you ever want to grow your hair, mum? And I'm like, yeah. I think I'm too old for that now because it's like, it's totally, <laughs> this is its natural colour. It's totally yeah. grey, like almost white. Um, so I'm just like, no, I don't think yeah. like an old witch. <laughs> I think it's mega cool. I always envisage myself that I'm going to like, I don't know, short, like just, um shave my head and just maybe just grow like a little fro or something yeah like that. <laughs> but yeah not not quite at that stage yet because I think too many years of my hair has been such a I don't know focal point I suppose for people so yeah it I is it's really, really hard as well I mean like you know the the worst thing I think you can say to a can somebody going through chemotherapy about their hair is oh it will grow back like, yeah thanks for that that's <laughs> like tell me something I don't know but at yeah. the time it's and I think as a woman um you know I'm not saying it doesn't affect men at all because it does but as a woman it's such a symbol in today's 
society like hair you know like the way women style their hair and it's yeah it, it has such a massive impact on your your mental health and the way you feel about each other uh, yeah. about it about yourself um absolutely but in the end I, I did actually because I, I did all the the scarves and I did actually have a wig a couple of weeks for a time but I could never wear them they used to um they used to make my head ache yeah um, Sorry, I said like learning how to wear a wig. I think is quite a skill to to learn, isn't it? Yeah, well. yeah, they're not comfy at all. Yeah, um, not well, not the ones the NHS provide. Um, yeah, and I just in the end because it was the middle of the summer, so I did used to get very cold head, and I used to wear hats, mm-hmm. uh, bubble hats all the time. But at the times when I didn't want to, I would just I would just go completely bald, and I would forget, and I'd be like walking around Tesco. <laughs> completely bald and like the kids would be like that that person over there is looking at you mum I'm like no it's fine don't worry about it and I because I just forget that I was bald yeah yeah absolutely yeah Uh, if you don't mind I just want to go back because you said like you know you sometimes struggled with your relationship with food and is that something that maybe came out again like once you kind of had the diagnosis or once kind of I don't don't think so I think um I think my relationship with food was very I think it was when I didn't have the knowledge, probably mm-hmm. um, when I was much younger, I would have said in my 20s, uh, you know, if I wanted to lose weight, um, I basically wouldn't eat, really. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. Like, not eat is the way to like lose weight um, and then obviously get back on it again when you've lost the weight and uh, you start eating normally and do that whole like yo-yo thing. That was yeah. in my 20s. But that was down to lack of knowledge. I think yeah. kind of like by the time I'd got to like that part of my life, um, I was in my, in my 40s, like some 20 odd years later, um, yeah. I was a bit more savvy. And I'd like, you know, I'd had learned stuff from doing the Joe Wicks thing. I'd done macro tracking, you know, if you yeah. if it fits your macros. Um, so I was much more aware of how to fuel my body, what to eat, Um so I don't think I've ever had a really bad relationship with food, mm-hmm. um, but it definitely wasn't a great one when I was younger. There was probably yeah. more booze involved in it. Than- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's real life, isn't it? I mean, yeah, well, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It also shows you like how how long it does actually take. You know, I mean, I think anybody ever promising a whatever transformation in thirty days or whatever, you know, what I mean, like ridiculous kind of extreme weight loss and these kind of things it does just take a while you know I mean you you might lose weight very quickly but you know the actual understanding you know so that you can navigate and cope with anything that life throws at you I think it just takes a lot longer to to get through that and to yeah oh it does and I think um I think life experience plays a yeah. bigger part than most people realize and I think yeah. it's just because you're just doing different things at different stages in your life I mean in your 20s and your 30s you're probably a lot more sociable you know probably booze mm-hmm. might play a larger part in your life than what you are I know it does for me and I yeah. think for a lot of my clients who are probably not as old as me but in the in the uh, let's say uh further up the line than the 20s that it's yeah. not you know not such a large part although it can still be part of your life of course why not while you're doing these things but I think your goals just change, don't they, as they yeah. as you move through life and yeah. different things become more important. What was important when you were in your early 20s isn't as important as what when you're in your early 40s. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think even having goals, <laughs> I don't think in my 20s I really, like I had I had some goals, I think probably more work-wise or career-wise related, but not so much in life. But yeah, you don't even thing. really see them as goals then, though, are no. they? They're just like, no. all you want to do is just like, you yeah. know, you, you like, what's the word? It's more like doing? I want to make money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you work to make money so that you can go yeah. out and spend it and then just <laughs> exactly. keep doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, not, not all 20-year-olds are like that, obviously, but yeah, yeah. that's what I was like. <laughs> yeah, no, same. I couldn't I definitely am the same way as I think like once I've kind of kind of hit my thirties, I don't know what it was, but I feel like my brain changed. And I think there's actually some research around that as well that I think it's only in your late twenties or something that your brain really like I don't know, stops Matures, developing stop. or matures. Oh, right, yeah. Okay. So I think you kind of settle more into whoever you are, you know, I mean, you spend like basically all the most of your life until then to kind of developing still. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's only kind of later that this, that this comes. So yeah, so I can definitely, I can definitely relate to that. Um, but yeah, um, what would you say are like your kind of your tips? Like, so if somebody's kind of having a, a really hard time, like what do you kind of advise your clients to kind of do or how can they, how can they try and get themselves out of it? Well, the biggest thing that I always say to them is just look at the things that you can control, because most of the time when something happens, whether it be, you know, uh, a situation like mine, that's, you know, like a massive health issue, or if it's just something that you were least expecting, um, I mean, it could be just something as the fact like your oven's broken down and you've not got yeah. an oven for a week. I mean, it could be Absolutely. something like that. It doesn't have to be like major life changing yeah. stuff. Um it's just looking at the things that you can control because I think we spend so much time looking at the things and worrying about, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. And then like you've put all these barriers and blocks in your way as to why you can't get to where you want to get. All right, the, the path isn't going to be straight, but you can negotiate around it by focusing on the things that you can control. And that's like, that's always my number one tip to like all my clients when yeah. um, they ever, they say anything. Um, and that was what I applied to myself was the one thing I could control was the exercise side of it, the fitness. And that was what kept me going. Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree. I think it's similar, like I said to, to me, I suppose, like, you know, just finding that kind of shifting focus, you know, it's not going to go away, whatever you're dealing with, will it, will it be small or big, or maybe, you know, your oven will, will be replaced at some point. But you know, I mean, if, even during that time, I think it definitely applies, like, you know, if you can just shift your focus to something else, and, and kind of control the things that you can, I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing. Sometimes easier said than done. But I suppose that's what we Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I definitely get think that. Uh, and I think like, from a coaching point of view, that is what people underestimate the value of a coach it's you know yeah. I have clients that come to me and say I know what I know I have to do I have all the tools to do it but I just can't implement it and I think yeah. it's that is purely down to the fact that they haven't got somebody there behind them scaffolding them to like do the things that they want to do and giving them the accountability and support uh, I mean I'm no different from anybody else I've got my own coach yeah. you know and I, I've had yeah. her for, for nearly three years now um, yeah. and although I know all the things that I need to do just having somebody there to say to me okay right this is your program for the next like eight to 12 weeks this is what you should be doing based on your current goals with your nutrition uh, and like you need to be accountable to me every week and check in with me every week yeah. and that, yeah. that's what I need and yeah. it takes it's like it was like Emma said the other day on the I think it was the uh, business review about 
outsourcing. So yeah. if you outsource your cleaning, why would you not like do the same thing with like your health and your fitness? Yeah, yeah. It yeah, especially if you're unsure about the knowledge or, you know, if you're not sure how to how to do certain things. And that's the same for me, you know, I mean, even as a like I said, qualified coach and everything last year, similar to you, like I still had a coach to help me through all of this, to give me like a bird's eye perspective, because sometimes you just can't see it for yourself. Like sometimes no. you just don't you just need somebody else to go like, oh, why don't you try this? You know, what I mean, yeah. and I think sometimes I think sometimes it sounds like so simple, like, you know, if, it, if you've been trying to like eat two portions of vegetables with your meals but you haven't been able to do that but you know you have a coach that keeps you accountable and is there to kind of discuss these things through you and think about strategies then it sounds so simple like that the outcome is oh I now eat two portions of vegetables with my meals but it's so tremendous like it's such a huge effect on your life that you've achieved that which shows that you can achieve other things as well yeah definitely yeah yeah absolutely yeah well, this was really great. Thank you very much, Fee. Um, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, they can find me on Instagram. Um, and my uh, username is Fitness Fee. Simple as that. Um, yes. And you've got your own podcast as well, right? I do have my own podcast, which is called um, Podcast with Fitness Fee, I think. <laughs> I can't remember, <laughs> actually, now I've just said that. It's fine. I'll put it all in the show notes anyway. That's cool. It is, it is Fitness Fee, yeah. It's on, yeah. Uh, it's on yeah. Apple and it's on Spotify, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm pretty sure, like, if you just Google the Fitness Fee and, or, like, search for it in the in yeah. your, um, podcast app, then you'll, you'll find it. Yeah. No, thank you so, so much for coming on. I really appreciate no it. No worries. Um, it's been lovely catching up with you. Yeah, definitely. Right, okay, thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye. Bye.